Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 22. We got three stories to get to, all coming from the week of May 15th. Here are the headlines. Indiana House Bill 1608 was signed into law. Training sessions are still being used to sneak political ideologies into public schools. And an activist group created a hit list to try to cover up the rape of a ninth grade girl that took place inside a public school bathroom. Story number one, you may remember me talking about the Loudoun County rape incident that took place a few years ago. This is where a high school girl in Virginia was raped in the girl's bathroom during school by a classmate who was a biological male, but he identified as a girl. Then the girl's father confronted the superintendent at a school board meeting over their attempts to cover up the rape of his daughter The father was carried out, embarrassed, and arrested. Now, the former superintendent has been indicted over the whole cover-up scandal. But there's new information that just came out uh, after an investigation. As it turns out, there's a group of people in the area who are actively working together to cover up the rape. These were influential people with major political connections. According to the Daily Wire, This group consisted of an aide to a Northern Virginia school board chairman, a Satanist, a campaign staffer for a Soros-backed prosecutor, a consultant for a Democrat sheriff candidate, and a local reporter. So this group created sort of a hit list, which had the names of 115 local residents These local residents were people who were defending the girl, defending the rape victim, her father, her family. And they were defending the people who were speaking out at the school board meetings against the school's attempt to cover it all up. All right. So the people on this hit list, they were politicians, they were police officers, private citizens, anybody and everybody. Each person on the list was also given a label or a description describing what they did wrong, kind of like what their sin was, according to this activist group. For example, here are some of the labels that were given. Quote, pedophile, groomer, racist, psychopath, mouthy, pure hate, seditionist bigot, the antichrist, DUI checkpoint expert, and spouse of a teacher, end quote. Those were some of the descriptions given to these citizens on this hit list. That's how this activist group described them. So this group created a private chat called Loudon Love Warriors. This private chat group is called Loudon Love Warriors. So here's another example where a group has a nice sounding name. They're the Love Warriors. But in reality, they're defending rapists and labeling innocent people as pedophiles. Racist, bigots, psychopaths. Yeah, but they're, you know, the loud and love warriors. So much love. The purpose of the group was to protect 
Democrat officials who were being scrutinized for covering up the girls' rape in their schools. The group did not want to see their leaders kicked out or resigned or prosecuted. So they would meet in this chat group, and this is where they would share the names of their fellow citizens who were perceived as enemies, people they needed to watch and stop and intimidate. So some of the conversations talked about shooting individuals in the community who were trying to get to the truth of the rape case. This group joked about shooting them. The group even planned to intimidate the rape victim's family and her lawyer's family as well. Anything to stop him. They even talked about blaming the rape on the sheriff, calling him a quote-unquote slithering effing snake. Just a nasty group of people. So just for context, this was happening in the fall of 2021. This is the same time that the National School Board Association wrote their letter to President Biden asking him to deploy every government agency to stop parents from harassing, quote unquote, harassing school board members. I wrote about this in my book. Parents in this community were outraged, understandably so, over the rape that took place in their schools. And they were outraged at the gender theory and the indoctrination that was being pushed on their children. So they showed up to school board meetings and they tried to hold the school board members accountable. The National School Board Association's response, it wasn't to correct their actions or fix their mistakes or to address the rape or even to listen to the parents. They weren't concerned with those things. Their concern was to write the president and ask him to send the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, to shut down the parents. That's what the National School Board Association wanted to do, shut down the parents. And Attorney General Merrick Garland supported that. So while all of this was happening, the quote-unquote loud and love warriors were talking about shooting private citizens and public servants, shooting parents, harassing the victim's family, and intimidating the lawyer's family. This is what your tax dollars get you with the public school system. This is what a corrupt government does to its own people. So the moral of the story is, as long as we go along and we don't make a fuss and we don't push back on the government's political indoctrination of children, then we'll be, quote unquote, happy. We'll be safe. But as soon as parents stand up to defend their children or speak out against radical political indoctrination in schools, as soon as you have an opinion, you become a target. Story number two, multiple school districts in Pennsylvania used teacher union dues to pay for woke training sessions for their administrators. During the 21-22 school year, these public school districts hired a group from the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education to train administrators on topics such as identifying microaggressions, racial literacy, not reading literacy, but racial literacy, equity agency, actualizing equity systemically and systematically, becoming an equity advocate, and growing your anti-racist practices. In addition, participants were taught the quote-unquote five reflective scans to identify their own invisible logic. 
whatever that is. Sounds like real solid educational academic stuff. Not. So these scans included an emotional labor scan, a power and norms scan, an invisible logic scan, a deflection scan, and a societal trope scan. As part of the societal trope scan, for example, participants were supposed to understand how stereotypes make people feel frustrated. To do this, they were to ask themselves, quote, am I sufficiently aware of societal tropes? For example, the angry black woman, end quote. As a result of this training session, administrators were asked to draft their own leader equity vision to recognize racial trauma among students and staff and to apply a quote unquote equity lens to address racial inequity. So there it is again, as always, the word equity is directly associated with skin color. It's also associated with the transgender movement, equity, equity, equity. So these school leaders are being trained or having their existing training reinforced to first and foremost look at the skin color of their students and their staff. That's the first thing they're trained to look at, skin color. Then, based on the skin color, treat them differently. So the training assumes that everyone in school is currently a racist, or all the white people at least are racist. And all of this training is focused on getting rid of racism. That's the, that's the whole point, right? And in order to get rid of racism, what do they do? They're taught to only focus on race. So this is actually reinforcing racism. For many years now, the trend in public schools and even in businesses has been to achieve, quote unquote, equity, to address any discriminations and make them right. So to do that, you know, whoever is trying to, quote unquote, achieve equity almost always becomes biased, prejudiced, sexist, racist, because they look at white people as abusive. They look at heterosexuals as abusive. Christians are abusive. Men are threatening and intimidating. Now, where am I getting this stuff from, you might ask? I got it from my own teacher training in Chicago public schools. Just like these educators are getting their training in Pennsylvania. I didn't make any of this up. I read it word for word from my own training materials. So why am I bringing all of this up again and again? Why do I hound on it so much? Because it's Marxist. It's socialist. It's divisive, destructive. You know, those are the hallmarks of Marxism, by the way. Marxism is an atheist ideology and its tactics appeal to your emotions, but never your logic. The end result is hatred, bitterness, division, socialism. How is it socialism? Because to achieve quote unquote equity, schools will have to take from one group. They have to take from one group and give to another, right? To achieve equal outcomes. And Vladimir Lenin stated, the goal of socialism is communism. So parents and teachers, what can you do to stop this or to find out if it's happening in your schools? Here's a few suggestions. One, schedule meetings to talk to your principals and school board leaders about these training materials. Two, watch out for keywords like diversity, equity, inclusion, social emotional learning, social justice, racial literacy. Three, 
When you elect school board members, demand that you have access to the same training materials as all the teachers, the staff members, the administrators, all public school employees. You should be able to see what they see. Four, schedule times to speak at school board meetings to highlight the dangerous impact of these political ideologies that are taking over schools. And side note, notice that nowhere in this training was there anything even remotely related to academics. Like, did we forget about academics here? So those are just some of my suggestions. Again, this is what my whole book is about. Um, it's what this whole podcast is about, providing information to parents and teachers so that you can make informed decisions on whether or not you stay in the public school system. Story number three, this is a follow-up on a story I've been covering all spring. Indiana House Bill 1608 was signed into law recently after a series of amendments over the last few months. The original bill provided protection for teachers that did not want to use preferred pronouns, which would you know, affirm a child's trans identity. Basically, they didn't want to lie to the child. Unfortunately, that part of the bill was amended out, which leaves this law basically as a big nothing burger. Sure, they say the buzzwords, but immediately after, they provide gray areas where schools can manipulate and sidestep any legal obligations. So I don't think anything will really change in Indiana regarding this trans issue. So here are the highlights of the law as it was signed earlier this month. First, the law says that human sexuality cannot be taught to kindergarten through third graders. However, if a student asks a question about the topic, then the teacher can provide instruction. That's it. That's easily sidestepped. All a teacher has to do is say a word or a name or, an Im or show an image which prompts a question from a student. Then it's game on. The teacher can launch into the gender unicorn, gender fluidity, what it means to be queer, anything and everything because a student asked about it. That's how easy it is. The law also states that teachers cannot be prohibited from teaching the academic standards, right? Teachers have to teach the standards. So on the subject of human sexuality, the first thing the state standards require is for a teacher to quote, teach abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage as the expected standard for all school age children all school age children k through 12 that's the first thing you'll read on the standard of human sexuality so at face value yes i agree with that abstinence from sex until you're married but notice the standard says quote all school age children which means as young as kindergarten so if a kindergarten teacher is discussing spreading germs or how the media influences behaviors, which are state standards and must be taught, all a student has to do is ask a question and boom, there you go. We're right back to where we are now, corrupting, brainwashing, sexualizing kids. Next, the law says that if a minor student requests to use a different name or pronoun in school, the school must provide written notice to at least one parent within five days. All right. Again, that's written notice, quote unquote. 
going home to one parent. It's not a permission slip from the parent. It's not asking parental consent. It's a notice. So the school is not asking, they're telling. Hey, parents, you don't have a son anymore. You have a daughter or vice versa. Also, I've discussed before how in some schools that students must submit a written request in school if they want to change their name or pronoun. They have to fill out a form and submit it. Well, here's how easy it is to sidestep that law or that process. After a student submits this pronoun request or the you know pronoun change request form, the school has five days to notify a parent by law. But if the student withdraws their request before the five days are up, then the staff are not required to notify the parents anymore. But the school staff now knows that this student wants to change their name, their pronoun, or you know which bathroom and locker room they use. So there's like this gray area, right? Where they're, they're free from legal obligation or punishment, but they still know that the child wants to use a different pronoun and really nothing is done, nothing changes. So I don't understand it at all. You know, is it just political posturing? Did Republicans sign the bill or sign the law just to say, hey, look what we did. We care about children. We care about education. You know, but it's so watered down. It's like Swiss cheese full of holes. You know, did Democrats sign it just to say, hey, look at us. We work across the aisle. While they full well know that they'll be able to work the system and maintain the status quo. So we'll finish up with some fast facts, stories I wanted to cover, but didn't have the time to get into uh, in depth. Cincinnati Public Schools, quote unquote, equity committee. There we go again, equity. Provided a memo at a school board meeting last year to all school principals, telling them to consider reporting parents to child protective services if they are not supportive of their child's trans identity. So all the principals were told, consider reporting the parents to child protective services if they don't support their child's trans identity. It's coming from the top down. The memo stated that a student's trans identity is confidential and should not be shared with parents, quote, should not be shared with parents if disclosing that information to parents could put the student at risk of harm at home, end quote. Right? It was stated that this is the school's position on the topic. This representative said, this is our position as a school. It's our position. It's not official school policy, but it's their position, according to their statement at this meeting. So how does that work? It's not policy, but it's our position. Confusing. So it says, if it could put the students at risk, don't tell the parents. If it could put them at risk, don't tell the parents. Well, everything puts a student at risk. Where do we draw the line? Riding the bus home puts them at risk car accident, riding a bike home, flat tire, they might wreck their bike, right? Playing at recess, there's risk in everything. What are you talking about? What if the parent smokes at home? Do we call child protective services because the child might suffer from secondhand smoke? Oh, we can't tell the parents that their child is trans because it could put them at risk. Now, I'm not talking about actual physical abuse. When a child shows up to school with signs of actual physical abuse, yeah, there's protocol. Teachers, staff, they must report that. That's good and that's right. But this is all just conjecture. This is all just teachers' opinions, judgment calls. 
right? The language in this memo is so vague and open to interpretation, and that's by design. This way, teachers and staff have an excuse if parents ever push back. Oh, I thought it could harm the child, so I didn't tell you. It allows schools to implement these anti-parent, anti-family, gender confusion policies without risk and without repercussion. Again, this was all initiated by the school's equity committee. So parents, when you hear schools throwing around that word equity, they're almost always pushing transgenderism or racism in the school. Next up, fast fact number two, this is news for teachers. In Tennessee, teachers will receive a minimum salary of $50,000 starting in 2026. In addition, union dues will no longer be automatically withdrawn from paychecks. This law is known as the Teacher Paycheck Protection Act and was signed into law this week by Governor Bill Lee. Teachers, whatever state you're in, if you're in a teacher's union or considering joining the teacher's union, I would look into what the union spends its money on before you join or decide to pay dues. Most teachers' unions are politically active and very left-leaning. When I taught in Chicago, I was the only teacher in my building that wasn't in the union. That's how common it is to join the union. I was the only one not in the union. You may remember, and here's my reason why, you may remember in the fall of 2020 that Chicago Teachers Union tweeted, quote, the push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny, end quote. That was their official position on going back to school. If you want to go back to school, you're a sexist, you're a racist, you're a misogynist. Okay. They also quoted a tweet of a guillotine being built outside the home of Jeff Bezos. And CTU, Chicago Teachers Union, said that they supported this action. So here's the teachers union in the third largest school system in America, and they're publicly supporting beheading the former CEO of Amazon just because he's rich. But, you know, it actually makes sense if you consider the fact that in their own teacher trainings, Chicago Public Schools told its teachers that being wealthy is abusive. Being white is abusive. Being a man is abusive. Jeff Bezos is guilty of all of those, according to them. Anyway, teachers unions, if you're joining, know what you're giving your money to. Okay, know what you're supporting before you actually support it. Final fast fact for parents. Something to be on the lookout for, parents. We've all heard of Build-A-Bear, right? The cute little teddy bears in the store. You build it, customize it. Well, now there's something called Build-A-Queer. And there are Build-A-Queer kits being sent out to kids all over the country. These kits are created by a group called the Queer Trans Project. And they're intended to help kids with their sex changes without letting their parents know about it. So it's all about keeping things from parents. While this is not a public school group, they're undermining parents and deceiving parents the same way that many public schools are with their trans policies or secrecy policies. These queer kits include items such as breast binders, artificial male genitalia, tucking tape, condoms, and tampons. So here's how the whole process works. This group communicates with kids on Instagram and TikTok. Then they tell the kid to have their kit sent to a friend's house, a teacher's house, 
or to create a P.O. box and have it sent there. So long as the parents don't know about it. Then once they have their kit and all the items, they can go back to Instagram, TikTok, even YouTube and watch instructional videos showing them how to use all of these items. So in these videos, you'll have adults like full grown biological men instructing little kids on how to quote unquote tuck themselves. It's absolutely sick, evil, it's perverted. These people should be in jail. So Instagram, TikTok, and other social media outlets are playing a massive role in this whole trans craze. If you haven't read Abigail Schreier's book yet, it's called Irreversible Damage. I suggest that you do it ASAP. She discusses this topic better than anyone. So parents, keep your eyes out for these secret queer kits. Monitor your kids' phones and monitor their social media accounts. Or better yet, don't give them smartphones. Don't let them be on social media. All right? So that's all I have for this week. You guys take care.